0: This is the Humans of Gaming podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief.
1: Hello, and welcome to Humans of Gaming. I'm Drew Dixon, I'm the chief content nerd at Love Thy Nerd. And uh, co-host of this here podcast. I'm joined with Chris Queltenly. Hey, Chris.
0: Hey, I'm the uh, chief executive nerd for Love Thy Nerd. And the co-part of the host of the podcast. It's why Drew has to call himself a co-host. It's because I'm here. Yeah, it's disappointing. Sorry,
1: dude. I can't be like the host, the only host. Better uh, luck next podcast. (laughs) How, how How you been, man?
0: Oh, good! I'm in, I'm in deep with uh, Stellaris. Have I told you Ooh, about yeah, Stellaris? You,
1: yeah, I saw you post about it. I don't even.
0: Oh my god! Know what it man. is though? It is like, I mean, it's it's basically Civilization in space. So like the game Civilization, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's in space, and so you like start out as this little fledgling star empire, and you just try to spread across the galaxy but that's interesting So i've never
1: heard you talk about those types of games
0: i don't like them oh i mean i have tried civilization years and years ago and never mm-hmm. really liked it um but i think part of that was the theme because like yeah. anything space themed i'm all right in. yeah so yeah it's it's got its hooks in me deep
1: that's cool i may have to check it out yeah, I this is an update to this podcast cuz we've mentioned on here before, but uh you sent me Sekiro. So. Sekiro. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. So I'm I'm dipping my toes in. I really haven't got that far, but I already uh I already think I'm gonna really like it.
0: Are you past the prologue stuff yet?
1: Uh yeah, barely. I've played like a little bit past that, so. Okay. You know. Oh. Yeah. Oh. But that kind of stuff's my jam, so I'm looking forward to it. We have a special guest, and uh, I'm just gonna go for it on on your last name. <laughs> but this is uh, Gabe Graziani. Nailed it!
2: You got in one. Ooh,
0: we
1: nice. Yeah, true. You, uh,
0: your your full day. name
1: is Gabriel. People, some people may know you as Gabriel, <laughs> I guess, but people who know who know you personally call you Gabe. That is right?
2: correct. That is correct. Cool,
1: and uh, and so yeah, so. You work for Ubisoft, tell us, kind of, like, how would you frame what sure. you do? Sure. Okay.
2: Um, so I am uh, what we call a community developer. Um, and the uh, overall idea is that we serve as a bridge between the community that plays games and the developers who make them. So any communication that is supposed to be happening, like online or whatever, like players are complaining about something or they really like something or they have changes they want to see made, it's our job to go and seek those things out and then communicate them back to our developers. And then when developers have do patches or anything like that, it's our job to communicate those things back to players.
0: Yeah. You are doing the Lloyd's work. <laughs> <laughs> Name one time a player has complained about it.
2: <laughs> well, I so first for six years, I worked on Assassin's Creed. So there were, uh, there were definitely moments when players were discontent, I guess. To, <laughs> you're being nice. That's, uh, that's why you have the yeah. job
0: you have is because you're good at being nice.
1: But you must have been pretty successful because, like, I mean, Assassin's Creed's on, like, game number 700 or so. Yeah. You know? at least. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly right again. Exactly yeah. right again. We're good, we're so good you, with numbers.
1: Is, yeah. So you, you must be killing it, like, taking that all those complaints and turning them into gold,
2: you know? Well, I mean, I have to admit, like, the Assassin's team has evolved a ton over time, and they are incredibly, like, reactive to the things that players say. And I think, to be honest, yeah. like, it's it, across the board, and especially with, you know, the live games that we have, like For Honor and Rainbow Six, like, mm-hmm. they have had to get real, real good about implementing changes quickly. And I, mm-hmm. I feel like you can already see, like, how it's influencing the entire company like even division 2 now we mm-hmm. have tom clancy's division 2 they're like it, i mean it's just for us it's like a best practice cuz people people respond a lot more to having their concerns addressed like totally. quickly and concisely so well you see it I, mean, I think
0: you see it in i mean the assassin's creed franchise for sure like look at the kind of reception that You know, Origins and Odyssey, like these latest forays have gotten. Mm -hmm. You can see that the team is responding and, you know, uh, being flexible.
2: Yep. Yep. That's what we strive for.
1: (laughs) It's interesting because it makes me think about, like, the state of... I don't know, the relationship between developers, publishers, and their audience because mm. i mean you think I, I think of like um mass effect 3 and that whole yeah kerfuffle and how like the the community basically demanded a new ending and they basically yeah. got it um and then like more recently just here in the last couple of weeks you know that sonic trailer came a out I like, days, not exactly yeah. that was like yesterday <laughs> yeah uh well i'm not sure when this will come out but uh oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, like, I mean, it's not a video game, but it is basically, right? In the sense yeah. of how people responded. Um, and I think last I heard, they're going to they're gonna change the well, Yeah, the director
0: tweeted, right? Did you see that?
1: Yeah. I also thought it was funny because it reminded me of, like, a... Um, oh, gosh. What's the name of the director that made, like, Fantastic Mr. Fox and... Um, Wes, oh, Anderson? Uh, Wes, yeah, Anderson. Yeah. Wes Anderson Wes Anderson To to me the the visuals of the Sonic film look kind of like that. It's like, oh, it's totally fine for Wes Anderson to do it, but you better not make my Sonic movie like that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would love to see a Wes Anderson movie. Dude, Sonic I would pay on, like,
0: millions <laughs> of dollars for a Wes Anderson Sonic movie.
1: Yeah. Well, I wonder what if they had hi- maybe it would have been okay if they had hired Wes Anderson to do it then everyone might have been like, "Oh, this is going to be great." Yeah.
0: But
2: <laughs> they could have done the but exact yeah. same trailer and then just a film by Wes Anderson and people have been like, "You know what? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm into it." <laughs> yeah. Yep, That's
0: yep. uh so I Gabe, I'm willing to bet you're going to have some thoughts on this. I hope so or I'm not a very good co-host. Um like, I, thinking about the Sonic thing, and maybe even in the context of, like, Assassin's Creed stuff or what work you've done with Ubisoft, like, it it's da- It's a dangerous uh, precedent, too, mm-hmm. in some ways. Like, hey, enough people complained, and so now we'll change this thing. Yeah. But maybe that change isn't really what's needed, you know? No,
2: that's... Like, I don't yeah. know
0: where you draw the line or...
2: Well, uh, that's yeah that's just it we have so many discussions about that exact thing right and i think i i've been watching some of the conversation around the sonic changes and i think the some of the points that resonate the most with me are now everyone is gonna have to crunch that much harder to completely redesign this movie yeah yeah and that's like a decision that's just made by the director like overnight based on you know people mm-hmm. ranting and raving about stuff which i mean i based on twitter and reddit yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah like and
1: in, in, in like a 48 hour period or less
2: and so like i think it's that's a primary function of like at least our job is when we look at like signal to noise um is to figure out like mm-hmm. what because a lot of times people will ask for things they don't really want or yes. like yeah align themselves with a behavior that we just don't see them actually perform right like because the way that we have our game set up is we always want to make sure that we're uh providing players with the kinds of things they want to do right so we try to keep an eye on you know how much activities are engaged with we don't keep any personal data or anything like that like there's all kinds of laws about that we don't do that but we do try to make sure that we know (laughs) what people are interacting with how how effectively we're creating those things and stuff like that, sentiment and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So, we put a lot of effort into trying to figure out like, okay, so they're saying they want this. Is does like when we implement something similar, does that bear out? Is are people like attracted to that? Right. Are they actually engaging with this? Like, there's tons of that stuff. So to see it turn around so quickly is like, oh, that's are we we're doing it like this now? <laughs> I don't know.
0: Right. If we can... Yeah. That's hard because, you know, humans do this thing where they say one thing and do another. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It kind of sounds like what you're saying is you guys are trying to bridge that. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. you're saying this thing, but like, what's the data actually show? Like, what do your activities actually show? Or, you know, like you're trying to bridge those two things and reconcile them? Well, and
2: part of it, too, is that you want to hear the feedback in terms of what it is that people want changed and then especially in our role as community developers like we're not like actually programming anything or designing anything ourselves so we need to take that Mm -hmm. feedback to our developers and let them do their job right which is to answer that to respond to that feedback with their idea of what's going to be fun like we have to respect their expertise Mm -hmm. in that area we can't just say like Oh well, they mm-hmm. want this feature, so you have to implement it exactly the way. We, <laughs> right, that yeah. doesn't work. That makes them really angry.
0: Actually, <laughs> well, I was thinking about that <laughs> yeah. in the context of the Sonic thing because it, there's so many logistical things that the layperson like me, I don't have a clue yeah. about. You know, mm-hmm. I can sit here and gripe and say, "Oh, his eyes look stupid," <laughs> or you know, he's too tall or whatever. But I mean, it looks like. it's a dude in a suit or like a kid in a suit that they're doing CGI over top of. Honestly, it looks like an emo kid in skinny jeans, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, but, and so I, and I don't, I don't know what it costs. Like I'm assuming rendering something full on CGI is more expensive than putting an emo kid in skinny jeans that are green. Like, so there's all these elements and all these factors and variables that, you Know the lay person has no idea, but we can just still sit here and gripe all yeah, the same, 100%. You
2: know? That's it's it's kind of scary to be honest. Like, I mean, because we have had our instances where you know, on Assassin's Creed Revelations, we had our multiplayer was not meeting the expectations of our players, and they wanted to have like uh, they're on our forums talking about having a, a boycott where they would just not play for a long time. And <laughs> it's funny because we're like at a yeah. point where we're like, well, we want to. Respond to their to their feedback and implement the changes that you know will satisfy them. But at the same time, it's like, well, we can't, we almost can't do it now because we can't make it like, well, the next time you're upset, just threaten to boycott and we'll go
0: ahead and do whatever you want to do. Right, totally. Yeah, that's the precedent. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's tough because I also think about like innovation and like. um you know, making games that are really like take mm. risks and things because I think, um, like I think of a game like mm. Far Cry 2 that, oh, well, here we when go. It, <laughs> yeah, it's one, it's one of my favorite games <laughs> ever. But like when it came out, I think there were a lot of people that were frustrated with it. There were a lot of people that loved it, but there were a lot of people that were frustrated with how punishing mm-hmm. the game was at times, like, and the way the checkpoints worked and things. And like, um, like the fact that you're gun jammed, you have malaria and all the the game yeah. is very oppressive. And I think that's what makes it like to me makes it super special. Like that game, um like we wouldn't have Breath of the Wild, I think, if we didn't have Far Cry wow. two, probably. <laughs> um Like there's a Ooh. there's a lot of like, like what's cuts, the same bro. thing, like your 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 swords break and you have that's to you have take. to you have to adapt on the fly to yeah. your favorite sword breaking, mm-hmm. I mean that's that's, that's incredible. Grade, that's I, two, I know several uh, developers kind of at
2: Ubisoft that would love to hear you make that comparison. <laughs> well, hey, we well, have this great
0: podcast you can share with them uh, if you go to <laughs> lovethenerd slash. Anyway,
1: <laughs> there there may be a little bit of, of, of hyperbole there, but I do think that that game has influenced a lot mm-hmm. of other a lot of other great games, and you know had. Had you guys, at the start of that, been like, oh, "Okay, well, we'll just get rid of all the gun jamming stuff," like, yeah. I think it would have yeah. ruined the game. <laughs> no, but I think not ruined the game, but I think it wouldn't have been as special and unique, um, and maybe influential as of of a sure. of a game. You know what I mean? Uh, even though it might make the fans happier to some degree. So I just wonder, like, how you.
2: Well, that, it's funny you know? that you bring up Far Cry Two because, like that, that technically is before my time at Ubisoft. Like at that at that point, I was uh, yeah. still like a game critic working in uh, working out of San Francisco, um, and I remember I don't believe that I actually covered Far Cry Two, but I remember hearing the discussion around it. And then after that, when I was working at Ubisoft, there was a lot of discussion because uh, one of the developers on it is, like has quite a bit of notoriety around him, Clint Hawking um he used to discuss things like uh ludonarrative dissonance which is that weird feeling that you have when the game is telling you like oh your child has been kidnapped you gotta go save them and you're like okay and then you run across a farmer who's like hey i dropped my apples can you help me pick them up and you're like i mean is there experience (laughs) for me because i'm gonna go ahead so like (laughs) yeah what's the reward for those yeah. apples
1: I, i've got time so like far
2: cry yeah. was sort of like far cry 2 from my understanding of it was like an attempt to bring some realism that would like help you feel more in the world right like help you feel more like that like so you have yeah. malaria so you always like you don't have time pressure because of some arbitrary timer you have time pressure because you need to find this medication that you need to survive right um so so like right i like it's <laughs> that kind of thing is something that Ubisoft is always looking for in each game. Each game needs to have like some kind of breakthrough, like some kind of thing that is going to be like its intense, like hook that is different than other games. And for some, I think that, like Far Cry Two, it's a lot more clear that there's or, or there's more than one, right? Like, um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. Far Cry Two occupies a very special place, I think. Uh, in our, in our like library of games, for that for that exact reason.
0: Well, definitely holds a special place for Drew. Let me tell you, <laughs> mm.
1: Chris. I'm telling you, you would love any chance it Far- gets. <laughs> like, <laughs> like <laughs> Far Cry Two. I'm telling you, it's you love the Souls games. Like, I do. There's a there's a especially if you play like, uh, in kind of the hardcore mode where you where you only save at checkpoints it it definitely has like a Souls vibe to it, I think that you would love so I I think they updated, I might be wrong, but originally like you could only save at checkpoints mm. you, you couldn't you couldn't do a quick save at all um, I think now on the PC you can quick save but if you just force yourself to like not ever quick save and only save when you get to like one of the safe houses oh, it's so great Um <laughs> Because it gives you that same feeling like in Dark Souls where yeah, you're like, right. oh, I've got to get to the next bonfire. Yeah. And you've, you're carrying so many souls and like, you know, yeah. same kind of – similar kind of idea.
2: Anyway. Serious stakes, right? Like it makes that yeah. really important yeah. to get get to that checkpoint.
1: Yeah, for sure. But uh, but we shouldn't talk about Far Cry 2. I mean mm-hmm. we could. I could. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, tell us, game, about like some of the games you've worked on for you. Well, also, I'm curious, like about maybe we should rewind a little bit. You said you were a game critic before. Yeah. What, who did you work? What What did you uh, do in games criticism and writing? So,
2: um, I started in in writing uh, at Games Radar, um, and then did about a year there, and then moved on to GameSpy, um, which was it, it's funny because it, we were actually on the same floor in the same building as IGN and uh Yeah and like it was uh it was really weird to be around like all of those journalists essentially like from IGN when we weren't actually IGN we were like a different I mean ostensibly GameSpy's focus was more PC um than mm-hmm. console. Yeah. But I like I was the Xbox three sixty editor, so I that's what I did. <laughs> Yeah, all this Xbox 360 stuff, but it was mostly throughout that era. Um,
1: and that was, do you guys like cha- challenge each other to like, like, uh, basketball games or <laughs> <What>? <laughs> just envisioning, <laughs> uh, just envisioning <laughs> like the office, you know, when they would challenge the, uh, the uh, warehouse, yeah. the warehouse, yeah, yeah. To some we didn't to some kind of. <laughs> Okay, so there weren't any like grudge matches between GameSpy and IGN. Staff? Not really.
2: Well, no, because I mean, IGN was always like the big, the big dog, right? Like, I mean, they were the really popular, like, big site. Whereas, like, GameSpy was yeah. like, we were just doing our thing, like, uh, trying to like keep above water, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it, it's weird because like I remember working there when Greg Miller was hired, and like Nick Scarpino was our video guy. And those guys have gone on to like found kind of funny games and uh, like mm-hmm. are this huge deal now. And so it's like, man, it's so weird to think about back when, you know, it was we were all just like freshmen. Back in my Yeah, days. yeah. Well, because at this point, at this point, <laughs> I've been at Ubisoft for 10 years. So it's I'm an old man now. I'm yeah. like practically, totally. I'm essentially immortal there, right? Like people are just like, oh. oh.
0: The old one. Dude, that's a long time though, like, <laughs> yeah. for this industry. Yeah? It is. Because we were talking to, was it uh, not last week or the week before when we were talking to Kate Edwards and she's been around for 26 years or what was it?
1: Uh, yeah, she's been she's been doing it for a long time and I'm not sure wow. how long, yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, she works for Microsoft for a long time and, yeah. But, uh but yeah, so what's uh, so what was the transition then like for you? From how did you go from writing about games to working? for So Ubisoft?
2: I mean, writing about games is it's super fun. I really enjoyed doing it, and um, like, it, it, but it's a lot of work. Like, it's a lot of like, you there's a lot of where you're in the office and you're writing all the time, and then uh, you go home and play the games, and it was always sort of this like. <laughs> Not really that much time in your actual life. It was sort of this all-consuming thing. Um, and it, it didn't pay yeah. very much the time. Um, so, uh, like...
1: I think that's probably yeah, still the case. Yeah,
2: could mm-hmm. be, could be. From what I understand. Um, but for sure, like, so I was getting ready to start a family and stuff and had a baby on the way. So it's was sort of like, well, I need to find out where to get some more money than what I'm getting right now. And uh, Mm. a friend of mine who used to work, uh, who I used to work with at GameSpy, Patrick Joint, um, worked at uh, Ubisoft. And I was like, he's like, hey, they have this new thing they're calling community developers. And it's kind of like what you're doing now on the forums at at GameSpy and like with this video stuff you're doing. So, and I know you love being on the podcast before, so maybe you want to like apply for it. And uh, I did. And uh, ended up there, in, but the position was from Montreal, which was like okay. Mm. So I'm in San Francisco and applying for a position in Montreal. And it was funny because it was right around the time that uh Prince of Persia had just come out, Prince of Persia 2008, um, which I really really liked. That was a shaded one where they had elica mm-hmm. like as a as the prince like partnering crime.
1: Yeah, was that the one with the the time? Rewind mechanic.
2: I'm trying train. to remember because I don't
0: That was yeah. the first one, right? That was the yeah, past that stands two at one, time had a time. time. Yeah, um, that but
2: yeah, time. Prince Prince of Persia two thousand eight was like a reboot of the franchise. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was a okay, little bit yeah, different. Yeah. I think like Yeah, I think Elika could she would rescue you if you fell, rather than it being like a time rewind kind of thing. Um But I love that yeah. game. I loved Rainbow Six at that time Vegas, um, and Vegas two um and so i knew that those are uh ubisoft montreal games they also did splinter cell and stuff like that so i'm just like i mean if i had to choose what comp what game publisher i'd want to work for i think it would be ubisoft i think the studio would be montreal so i was like i'm, I'm gonna go for it and
1: yeah this is reminding me of how many ubisoft games i've loved because i okay. love the original Spl- splinter cell trilogy yeah. those Dude, were splinter cell man.
2: <laughs> no no comment <laughs> i I have nothing to yeah. say <laughs> um, But yeah, so like I was I was super into it. I did like, oh gosh, I don't know, like six or seven interviews. Some were phone interviews, some were in San Francisco. Um, but the question they kept asking me was like, well, okay, so you know that Montreal is really cold, right? I'm like, <laughs> look, I'm a California, <laughs> Bay Area native. I, I like, no, I have no idea how cold it is. Like I can't even fathom. Yeah, totally. Um But you know, I I enjoy going snowboarding. Is that like something similar? Like I will drive five hours to get to the snow. Yeah,
0: you're at least like Northern California, so well, there's mountain stuff, you know. Because I'm in like Southern California, so yeah. we have no concept of it's snow always or cold. It, or but anything.
2: see, the thing too though is that in Southern California, like it's a dry heat, right? Like it's like a desert heat almost, right? And and that's the thing that, like, Mm. really struck me the most is after I moved. Okay, so, yeah, cold is cold, but I don't really mind it so much. You can bundle up. I can survive in the cold. Um, But then in the summers in Montreal and in the East Coast in general, I discovered it gets humid. Oh, you step out into this soup and it's just like, (laughs) oh, I did not sign up for this. I did not. But the cold... Well, you warned me about the cold. <laughs> you didn't warn me about this weird, like, uh, Yeah.
0: Sticky. It doesn't matter it's how the, many showers you take. You get out you of the take. shower
2: and you're instantly just like, yeah. uh, why did I get yeah. out?
1: <laughs> it's funny because, like, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and people say that about Nashville. Uh, but there's mm-hmm. places that are way worse than that, so I don't yeah. feel that way about here but uh but i think if you came here i might
2: feel that I way might. about it for sure but
0: the but springs yeah. the springs yes.
2: are amazing in <laughs> incredible incredible especially since winter is mm-hmm. like eight months out of the year or something like that <laughs> something absurd when it's spring oh man
1: like how so, cold does it get there in the winter i'll give you a perfect example right so
2: it's it's in canada where they use the celsius system as opposed to fahrenheit which was another adjustment for me um But you'll be interested to know that negative 40 degrees, which is about as cold as it gets uh, in Montreal in Celsius, negative 40 degrees in Celsius is where it meets the Fahrenheit scale. So negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit and negative 40 degrees (laughs) Celsius are the same temperature.
0: I don't I don't feel encouraged. I feel like you're trying to say this is an encouraging thing and I do not feel encouraged. At
2: those temperatures, it's that I don't know if you've seen this before, but if you like boil a pot of water, you could just throw it up into the air and it just instantly becomes mist. Yeah. Your uh, your icy. nostril hairs will yeah. freeze together at that temperature. You get ice in a beard, like yeah. It's, it's physically painful, it's, but yeah. it, it's crazy too because if you go out in that weather, it's like being an astronaut. Like you have to like bundle up so much, you can't hear anything. Especially <laughs> if there's snow. Yeah. snow also muffles noise a ton. Like so, everything is just like all you hear is your breath, like stepping out.
1: <laughs> so that was your biggest hurdle. You're like, sounds rad. Ubisoft's made all these games that I love. Sounds pretty rad to work there. It would help your family situation because, as we talked about before, people who write about games don't make a whole lot a lot of times. Uh, Maybe that's changed now, but I don't think it has. Um, (laughs) But uh, so so how did you finally get over that hump of being like, all right, I'm going to brave the cold?
2: Well, I think actually I was... uh it was mostly just like whether you know my partner and i would actually be able to go through with it and move across the country that was the biggest thing that but her her family um is is from new york state which is just it's like actually right next to uh quebec Mm -hmm. uh so her family was quite close to us and within driving distance so it's sort of like yeah yeah all right let's just do it let's go like the entire process i think was it was never like oh i'm not sure about this oh i don't know i mean it was definitely scary because especially with you know so we had my son helix on december 1st uh of 2008 and then we moved in march of 2009 so it was like he was four months old when we moved and it was and
0: he was your first
2: yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah so it was Let's just, just like, through all these major life changes in a short window of time.
2: It was, yeah.
0: <laughs> That's adventure. Yeah, yeah.
2: There was uh, there was at least one instance where I was trying to drive into work and I could not for the life of me find parking. And uh, Helix and my partner were traveling uh, to visit her parents for a while. And like I, I was just driving around for like an hour looking for parking and finally just pulled over to the side of the road and texted like the the guy that I was working with. And just like, I just, I just collapsed into tears. Oh. I was just like, oh, This man. is awful. I moved my family across the country for this. Yeah. Like, we're in a completely different country. This is, I'm, I, I don't know if this job is working out. Like here I am, like not able to even find parking it's just like (laughs) it was it was for sure there were those moments where it was just like what have i done Been there (laughs) yeah been there done that especially as like a new dad it was like i'm i have a responsibility for my family to like do everything i can for them right and like oh it just felt Mm -hmm. like felt like i was failing at that and that was super hard but ultimately 10 years later i think it's going better
0: you did it <laughs> it's better. Yeah, I only have one <laughs> breakdown a week now instead of every day.
2: Exactly. oh, no, that's
1: good. So, so you started working at Ubisoft. I always say Ubisoft, but I feel like a lot of other people say Ubisoft. I've yeah, just I can't break the habit. There's
0: been whole like what campaigns you- about it. <laughs> Which one? Oh, oh, really? Yeah. So it's Ubisoft. We should boycott. Let's boycott on the forums about it. <laughs>
2: No, it's either one. That's the thing. Is it? It, it, just, okay. it depends where you're from. Because if you're from, like France, for example, uh, it's the it stands for ubiquitous software. Um, so yeah. in English we say ubiquitous, but in French you say ubiquitous. So it's in France it can be ubisoft, but in the United States it's ubisoft with the Y. Yeah.
1: So. Do most of the people in your office I assume probably speak English
2: um, Well it actually Or how does that so work So the official oh, language curious. of Quebec um, Which is where Montreal is uh, Is a province in Canada And the official language is French um, So
1: all right. of our But I was just assuming because of the studio being Yeah I mean That's probably a bad assumption yeah. But I was just assuming the studio <laughs>
0: Yeah it is a bad <laughs> assumption Drew You're right
2: i don't need to agree like just so completely but
0: no that was perfect put him in his place (laughs) no that's great i needed that far cry 2 sucks (laughs) i'm just kidding
1: but yeah no there's shut your dirty mouth
0: (laughs) most of
2: the work i do is for sure in english because i speak predominantly english i have had to learn uh how to speak french um mostly in order to earn permanent residency there um, as an immigrant to, yeah. the, to the province. Um, hmm. But you didn't have to
1: learn French to do the work you were – did you know much French before you came there?
2: I didn't know any. I didn't know any. And it's funny because they, they nice. tell you that it's not that big of a deal. And for the most part, like I think you can get by – certainly for the work that I do because so much of it is on the internet um, and on the English-speaking yeah. internet. That's, it's actually more Mm -hmm. important for me to be able to speak English and communicate clearly in English. Like at the time they were hiring uh, a lot of journalists and writers specifically because we need to be able to communicate in English. Um, right, right. And, but yeah, for sure. Like when I got there and even now there are meetings that are held entirely in French, um, and it can be, it can be challenging if like, even just to keep up in with a presentation. Um, because the Quebecois French is a little bit different than uh, the French that is spoken in in France as a heavily Mm -hmm. accented and they use a few like different words and things um, different colloquialisms and stuff Um, but uh, but yeah it's it's not something I run into too much trouble with or ever really did I mean it's uh, like at least not at work it's been but it, it does make your like daily interactions outside of work more challenging because if you run into someone who doesn't speak English, you end up doing this pantomime thing. And it doesn't really get <laughs> yeah. the point across. And yeah. you, you don't realize like how many mistakes can be made in terms of like how much a bell pepper costs and stuff like that. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm assuming your wife probably didn't speak English either. Coming, I mean, sorry, speak French when you yeah, no. moved as well no she did, did not
2: she? she did not so yeah.
1: so then you're you you've got all the fun of like trying to find friends and community and stuff in a place where people don't necessarily yeah you know <laughs> you don't share the same first language it's True. It's true I'm sure that can be there challenging are, although too. I will
2: say that there were quite a few like uh, expats as they call them so we have a bunch of people from the United Kingdom who come over um, cause there's a lot of development going on, uh, in England and, uh, all over the United Kingdom. Um, so there's like, and they, like there was an effort to make people feel connected and, um, you know, at home to a degree. And there's also like, there's yeah. also a fairly large English population, particularly in Montreal. Like in general, in Quebec, I think there's not, uh, like it's, once you get outside of the city, it starts to become more prevalent that it's all 100% French and people are now also not able to speak English. Like they don't know English. Um, whereas in, in the city, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like a lot more bilingual and you, you don't run into too many like sure. blockages like that.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, tell us like some of the games that you've worked on at, at Ubisoft in your, in your, in your decade of employment there. Like wh- what, what are some <laughs> things you're proud of that you've worked on?
2: Wow. Okay. So I I think like I spent a couple of years where they wanted me to kind of be a licensed guy. So I worked on uh, Sean White snowboarding and James Cameron's Avatar: The Game uh, in the like first year of my mm-hmm. career, and then I switched over to Prince of Persia: The Forgotten Sands, which was like post uh, reboot and like the major trilogy for Sands of Time and Warrior Within mm-hmm. and uh, that that most people remember. Um, so it was like a smaller entry in the series. That like was brought back the time rewind mechanic and stuff like that. It was fun. Um, but after that, I was assigned to uh, Assassin's Creed, starting with Brotherhood, um, and worked on Assassin's Creed until uh, we wrapped up Syndicate, um, and then we had a year off where uh, we released the movie. Um, and during that year, I left uh, that team just before just before they announced Origins, I think, um, uh, to work on uh, Rainbow Six for a little mm-hmm. while, Rainbow Six Siege. Um, and then, so I was there for... I was on Rainbow Six Siege for uh, Operation Health, and I forget actually which season think it was year two season i want to say season two i'm not sure i'm honestly not sure not mm-hmm. to care
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but i can't i can't remember which one yeah. it was but like to be honest like the rainbow six development was like non-stop always like going oh yeah that... in a way that was drastically different from assassins mm-hmm. where it's like assassins was wild because it, they were doing annual releases And it started with Brotherhood. And it was kind of, there was so much concern over whether people would respond to Brotherhood because it came right after Assassin's Creed 2, which was the highest scoring Assassin's Creed, like, blew Assassin's Creed 1 out of the water in terms of, like, the response it got. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so everyone was worried about Brotherhood. They're like, they're going to do another game with Ezio. It's like Assassin's Creed 2.5 was what we kept hearing and like going from E3 into like the launch season in the, in the fall was just like, Oh, everyone was so worried and stuff, but man, that team just knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And it was, it was wild because like the game came out and people loved it. And it was like, there's no question that Ezio was like a great assassin. (laughs) And the the freaking man wonders with Rome. Yeah. So (laughs) it was was a great
1: game. I remember playing a lot of Assassin's Creed brotherhood.
2: Yeah, it was, I mean, it, in a lot of ways, like, in the same way that Assassin's Creed 2 was kind of like a bunch of things, like, all the things that they had wanted Assassin's Creed 1 to be, but, like, maybe it ran out of time, or, like, you know, they, right. like, can only do mm-hmm. so much, and especially during that era where you, you don't get to do as much post-launch uh, updating as you do now, right, like, totally. now it's expected, right, yeah. that you have, like, you know season pass or like a roadmap all these different mm-hmm. things all these different names that we have for like the live uh side of uh of the the, the sequence sort sort of um but yeah so and then we follow that up the next year with revelations and it was like i really did feel like a rocket ride um because the games are just becoming so so popular mm-hmm. and the scale at which like it was kind of wild because at that point, like nobody was working at that scale. Right. Like, especially for right. community, like we had like one of the biggest communities, like Facebook launched their like corporate pages with assassin's creed as one of the first ones that we had to like map out all the milestones of the series and stuff. It was just a wild, wild time. And like, I like, it's funny. Cause like recently we'd have to ask like the, they did the 10th anniversary and the community team was like, Hey, do you have any like photos from back in the day of like, when and it's like, no. Cause one, <laughs> like I, if I was taking photos, I was taking photos of like the, the community and like cosplayers mm-hmm. and stuff like that, oh, like, or the booth or whatever. But then also like, it was with the camera. Like we didn't have cameras <laughs> in our phones back then. <laughs> That's funny. But, like it, it's, this is, we're talking about the old days, Stone Age, dude. But yeah, so and then after Assassin's Rainbow, I worked on a bunch of our VR stuff, so Eagle Flight and uh, 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 Star Trek Bridge Crew. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, it was that stuff was really fun because I mean, man, VR is really cutting edge, and yeah. to be honest, like, it, It was fun to do just because of all the testing and stuff that we had to do for, like, you know, researching, like, everybody Uh else's VR games, and we have the VR lab in the studio, and you just go in on the weekend and get real sick. (laughs) (laughs) Did it make you sick, VR? Sometimes. I I mean, I got pretty good VR legs, and, like, a lot of the UB games, they put a lot of uh, uh, sort of features to try and prevent that sort of thing yeah, um that's nice but yeah i mean and and it's all a learning process too because like the things that make you sick are pretty common to like every person so like a roller coaster simulator if you look to the side to your side it's almost guaranteed to make you super sick because <laughs> um, that's just it, it's whenever you create a disagreement between your inner ear and what your eye is telling your brain like your brain oh, is yeah. like oh we've been drugged We've been drugged. Time to throw up. Sound the alarm. Yeah, totally. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, that's funny. Well, uh, we do like to to go a little bit personal in this podcast, and mm-hmm. you know, ask people what they're about and where where they grew up and that kind of thing. So, where did you grow up, and what was your upbringing like?
2: So, like, I grew up in Northern California, about an hour north of uh, San Francisco, um, in a in a, in a like in the wine country. Um, okay. And I was uh, like, to be honest, it's weird. Cause I feel like a lot of people grow up and they're like, ah, oh, man, my home is like the best place. Uh, mm. in the yeah. World. But I, I like, I've been to a lot of different places and I still feel <laughs> like that, that area is it's just magical. Like <laughs> redwoods and vineyards. Yeah. And like, I mean, it's pretty
0: <laughs> hard to argue that that is a magical place. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like it's always seventy degrees. I
0: mean, yeah.
2: it's amazing.
1: Yeah, um, I have been watching this uh, series on Netflix called Murder Mountain. Have you heard of this? No. It's about Humboldt County, which I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a like, little bit north of where I was, but yeah, I know. Okay, it.
1: yeah. So that place is not magical.
0: No, nope. <laughs> according to that documentary. I mean, if the thing is called Murder Mountain, yeah. <laughs>
1: According, if that documentary series yeah. is accurate, too
2: far, uh, too far
1: anyway, north, too far north, too far you north. She wanted, yeah. wanted to throw a little wrench in your, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's so it's about like uh, marijuana growers out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess connected to that, there's been a lot of like missing persons cases and things like that. So it got eventually this area started being known as Murder Mountain. Yeah. And anyway, it gets into all. It's it's interesting. It's worth it's worth checking out. But Hmm. but your area of Northern California, (laughs) not Murder Mountain. It was really magical. What was magical about it? Sorry.
2: So it's like it's funny because like we, uh, my parents bought this house that was like, like on a mountain, and it was a half an hour away from the closest little town or whatever. Um and uh, like it was we had a creek and. I had, like I had a tree house and just was, I don't know.
1: So you grew up exploring the woods and the mountains and yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That's
2: cool. Yeah, it was super. Yeah. Like that, like it, it was very, very like in the midst of nature. Yeah. What did your parents do growing up? Uh, so my dad was an administrator of a state hospital, um, and uh, like my mom. Uh, was a homemaker for much of my childhood, but then, uh, mm-hmm. but then eventually, um, she started working at uh, one of the local elementary schools. It's like the, uh, like I don't like an administrator, I guess. Like she was the office, okay. she's office lady. <laughs> she, cool. she sat in the front office. That's the right? official title. Yeah. She sat in the front office. She
1: ran the school basically. Well, yeah, basically. Yeah.
2: I mean. <laughs> The principal would beg to differ probably, but I don't know how much. <laughs>
0: yeah. We know who's really pulling the strings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the office lady.
2: Yeah. So
1: what, uh, did you guys like go to church or anything? Were you was a religious family in any Well, way?
2: I mean, that's, that's what's kind of wild. It's like my mom used to say that, yeah, no, she was Catholic. Um, but then we never went to church. And I'm just sort of like, I don't really know that you can say that if you're not gonna follow the rules. <laughs> like so,
1: so we grew up <laughs> that's the American way to like claim to be <laughs> totally. we grew up pretty religious or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You just do whatever you yeah. want.
2: We grew up pretty secular, my sister and I. Um and even now, like I'm I'm pretty agnostic in terms of like I just I don't know what what it's all about or anything. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. um but, uh, but yeah, it's, we had like a, a, a Catholic school. And so there was always like contact with, um, we actually like in the elementary school that I grew up in, um, there were a couple of kids who were Jehovah's Witnesses and there was one girl who lived next door to me. And I'll never forget, like I, I must have been like five or six because we were in kindergarten and we were walking down the driveway that we, that was extremely long because we were like, out in the country, um, and I was like, "Oh, can you want to come to my birthday party?" And she was like, "No, I can't." And I was like, "Oh, that's a bummer. Why can't you come to my birthday party?" She's <laughs> like, "Because uh, we aren't allowed to participate in celebrations like that. Uh, that's when the devil comes out and takes you to hell." I'm just like, "Well, I <laughs>
0: wow, whoa, okay. that is clear." But I
2: was just like, "What? I I've had five birthdays and." <laughs> that hasn't happened once like we yeah. take and stuff like it's it's really fun i have never seen the devil <laughs> at one of them yeah but it was a... so it didn't have, so it
1: didn't freak you out it just still like, right this doesn't add well up to
2: yeah me. basically because i was just like and i think i at that at that age you have a very like literal interpretation of what the devil is like it's an actual like red guy with horns and yep. like goat hooves and a pitchfork mm-hmm. and i think actually yeah uh-huh. I, at one at one halloween i went as i'm a pretty double. sure i had the same idea yeah. back then one so. halloween i went as a one halloween a double, you yeah. went
1: okay
2: <laughs> i wore like an all red costume just, and, just to
1: freak your I, friend out
2: yeah I, I hadn't even thought about it like that but it's <laughs> <geez. laughs> terrible now that i think about it
1: <laughs> oh I'll show you <laughs> devil. That's what you thought. Horrible! What a horrible person. <laughs> horrible oh, I'm just like kidding. That. I didn't. I'm sure that wasn't. No, why no, you did no. it?
2: Well, it, it, well, it's funny because actually, like that school, we we were our our for a while. We had um, the mascot was the, we were the demons, right? And so I was a demon, right? Was, that's yeah, I, or like a you know a devil or demon or whatever. And then we changed it eventually because. Um, parents were complaining. They're like, this is inappropriate for the children to be, to be. Uh, yeah. like
1: <laughs> That's interesting because, because, you know, you were up in California, which I imagine is a, yeah, I think of that as like a more progressive mm-hmm. kind of area. Uh, I coached soccer for a while in Alabama and the school that I coached at was our mascot er, was the Aggies. It was an mm-hmm. agricultural area, and so the, the mascot was the Aggies. Well, like they thought an Aggie was lame, so they changed the mascot to, like, it looks literally like the creepiest version of Satan <laughs> you've ever seen. <laughs> like, it's supposed to be this red yeah. devil or whatever, but it looks like... Like the dude from Pan's Labyrinth. Like, full-on, like, creepy, pointy, yeah. goatee... And like, and horns, like horns, not just like curly horns, but like horns that are coming out of the guy's skull. It's creepy. Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
0: Alabama's (laughs) got no chill.
1: Yeah. And and it's funny because it's like a pretty conservative area and like, like religiously too. So a lot of like evangelicals there and stuff, but nobody, nobody was like, oh yeah, that's fine. They voted for it. (laughs) And everybody's like, yeah, that's cool.
0: Good for them.
1: Nobody batted an eye about it.
2: Yep. Apparently, the progressive, like, and they they were like, make no mistake, it was a bunch of hippies. Like, at this elementary school, all the parents were like a bunch of hippies. But apparently, there were some of them who were like, "Yeah, no, this this
0: is too much, too far." That's where they draw the line.
2: (laughs) We draw the
1: line. Draw the line at demons. That's interesting. So, so you kind of grew up, you went to Catholic school and stuff, but you never really like, just never Oh no, I didn't go to college, Catholic school.
2: Like. I went to public school, um, for, oh, okay. for my entire like elementary and then junior and high school. Well, there were Catholic schools in the area. Yeah. Oh, in your area.
1: Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So it was never, like, something you really gave much thought to?
2: Well, Is I mean, how you'd put it I, I up, wouldn't or... say I didn't give it much thought. I just, you know, it didn't seem like a thing that was in my life necessarily, right? Like, I'm, I, didn't, sure. uh, yeah. I didn't engage with it very much. And, like, already was sort of kind of like, uh, mm-hmm. well, I want to keep going to birthday parties, so I'm not going to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, that's fair. Yeah. So as a kid, I feel like that's really fair,
2: yeah. And then because I thought, if
1: I was told like, "Hey, you can't keep, you can't go to birthday parties anymore," as a kid, I'd been like, "I need,
0: I'm." Rethink this something. whole Jesus thing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, as, as I as I got older, I feel like I, you know, I I definitely acknowledge the fact that there's a lot of value in the narratives that you find in both the old and the New Testament. Like, mm-hmm. Then, but I think to me is I. I was more interested in incorporating like more different types of narratives, like, um, and, and not like focusing specifically on the Bible, but like, just like, even just like fables and stuff to like, Uh kind of like take, take the wisdom that I could, where I could get it.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. So, uh, so where do you, you said you see yourself as like, agnostic essentially now like you don't i guess you just feel like there's a lot you don't know yeah uh and so it's hard to like land on something do you feel like there's like a like a a value system or or um some core beliefs mm-hmm. that you have that kind of motivate how you live and what you do do you have a sense of that I'm yeah
2: wow that is a very deep question uh- <laughs> don't
0: screw this one up <laughs> right? don't screw this one <laughs> yeah. up. yeah what it is be careful it's
2: funny because like looking at my looking at my roots i would say that like a lot of my value system is probably extremely linked to you know what most people would consider you know do unto others as as they would as you'd have them do unto you and mm-hmm. stuff like that mm-hmm. i mean like, I, I feel like to a degree growing up in the united states at all it's hard to like not have that influence you in some way right totally um and especially like spending time with like my best friend in elementary school um was jewish and they weren't like extremely orthodox or anything but like being exposed to that like this other like belief system that you know the basic values are pretty similar right like um Mm. but like but just knowing that like there are different things that people believed i think was sort of like you know what i'm gonna just sort of try and pick and choose and like see what see what works for me and to this mm. day I still kind of do the same thing like I uh, you know I, I just try to make sure that I don't harm anyone and I'm always working to like lift up like my fellow people in the world and do, do my best to leave the world a better place than when I arrived and like the mm. interpretation of how that's you know measured I think like, whether or not I feel like I'm being successful or that is, you know, the health and welfare of the people around me. Um, and so I don't necessarily, like, put any hard and fast rules on it, I don't think. But for sure, it's just, it's more just trying to, like, I don't know, make sure. I mean, even, in like, in this job that I do, I often look at it as, like, a party. And it's my job to make sure everyone's having a good time. Right. Right. Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so sure. i i sort of feel like just a party with like millions of people so no pressure
2: <laughs> and a lot of people who are not always having a good time
0: <laughs> right yeah 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 no pressure But yeah
2: when it when you succeed though and like people are like really ecstatic about you know an announcement or a feature or like anytime we get to do like a workshop where we bring fans into the studio and get them to interact with like developers directly like that is such a tremendously Mm -hmm. positive thing i think like because i think any artist um if their art inspires other people to create art that that's like you know it's a massive win for them it's like a huge like feeling of just like joy that you get from that and so i I, like one Mm. of my biggest things is just trying to facilitate that as much as i can we do a lot of work with like cosplayers and fan artists and things like that to just try and like right. spread yeah. that creative energy and, and, and motivate. Yeah.
0: And I'm sure, I mean, that's gotta be a highlight for, you know, like a cosplayer, for instance, to get to meet the person that, you know, helped create the character they're cosplaying as <laughs> like, yeah, that's, I can imagine that those would be high points for what you do.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's when well, the job it,
0: probably feels really easy.
2: Yeah. Oh, well, 100%. Well, cuz it it almost like never fails. It's wild like you put these people together and just you just get to bask in the vibes. Right. And, like, you just stand, stand back yeah.
0: and smile like an idiot. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Essentially, yeah.
1: What uh what do you have coming up with with anything you you guys are working on at ubisoft that you can that you're excited about that you can tell us about or is it all under
2: wraps no. right now <laughs> like <laughs> to be honest like the timing of this this is you know a little bit ahead of e3 which is our like in oh right yeah. exactly huge, huge, yeah. huge deal so yeah no i can't talk about anything
0: i mean this, do you usually go to a lot of conventions or just so, e3 like you personally
2: yeah me personally this will be i think oh gosh like my 16th e3 Mm -hmm. i think i'm gonna just say that that's what it is because like it's too hard to remember um and i used to go to a lot more events but it's i've sort of calmed down as i've grown in seniority a little bit even with the same title so that now i'm sort
0: of like I fly a desk a lot
2: more than I fly a jet fighter. So <laughs>
0: just send those young bucks out there to do that. Well, and also like after you've been to a few of these, they start oh, like, yeah.
2: and it's it's oh, work. Totally.
0: Like it's so yeah.
2: much work. Like you're traveling, and then you have to like be on the entire time, and like mm-hmm. it, it's it can be exhausting, as exciting as it is. So. It's it's nice to kind of like yeah. take a step back a little bit and and yeah exactly Get, let the let the young bucks in to go and take over yeah. some of these things.
1: Well, cool. Well, I wish you could tell us more. I'm sure you are excited about what you're <laughs> yeah no that's,
0: you coming up at E3. But <laughs> you can hear it in his restraint. Yeah, yeah. I mean his excitement. We
2: just released the division two, um, and that's going yeah. really well. I mean, I played the heck out of it. I only just recently reached the max level on it and started. I haven't mm-hmm. even done any. Haven't touched the end game yet, which is really exciting. But I haven't actually had a chance to mess around with it. Um, yeah. The Odyssey just released some new DLC for it that it looks ludicrous. I haven't even tried it yet, but it's like leaning heavy, heavy into the Greek myths and legends. That.
0: Uh, Gosh, that game is so freaking
2: pretty. It's incredible. I like. Oh man. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's weird to me because
2: it's very different for an Assassin's Creed game, but like. Oh yeah. Oh. It's Yeah, it' pretty. So is. pretty. Oh my gosh. Just the the ocean and the beaches and stuff. Like, mm. I don't know. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's incredible. Um, and Starlink also, as well as a game that I, I was able to work on out of Ubisoft Toronto, just released some new free DLC um, as well as like new ships and pilots and stuff like that. Like, we got a lot of stuff that we just have been working on. And then
1: <laughs> next time. Yeah, yeah next time. I'm well uh, yeah yeah so um if people wanted to like follow what you follow you follow the work that you do what would be the best way to do that so
2: you can find me on twitter uh my handle there is ubgabe um and i have like ubgabe on uh facebook and uh, uh a few other platforms but really twitter is the one i'm most active now and since i I'm old enough that I can like decide like, okay, this one is going to be my channel. That's, that's sort of the one that I,
1: <laughs> well, I would definitely encourage people to go check out, uh, check out, go follow you on Twitter and, um, yeah, definitely be looking forward. We'll definitely be looking forward to what Ubisoft, uh, launches or announces at E3. That's always exciting. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Uh anywhere else people would should find you or look for you on online or anything that you would want to mention? Anything else you mm, want to plug? I
2: don't think so. I think I got yeah, I think I got everything. <laughs> Sweet.
1: Cool. Well, uh thanks so much for coming on. And yeah. uh yeah, if you wanna follow Love Thy Nerd, please do that on all the social medias. We are on Twitter, Facebook, uh Instagram, uh, if there's another social media platform we should be on, just let us know. We'll we'll, we'll try to make it happen. happen. Uh, you can go join our community on Facebook. Just search for Love Thy Nerd Community. So you're going to want to like Love Thy Nerd on Facebook and then search for the Love Thy Nerd community and ask to join. Once we've made sure you're not a robot, we'll let you right in. Uh, and Uh, What else? We have a podcast network. This is one of three podcasts. We have The Pull List, which is a comic book podcast, and we have Free Play, which gets into all areas of nerd culture, and it's just a blast to listen to. Uh, We have uh, two live shows, Beard Bros, which they mostly review board games every Friday, and then uh, we also have Co-Optional, where we get to Matt and his wife, one of our... Uh, founders of love uh will play a game play a board game together and then they'll give away a copy of that board game which is pretty cool so definitely go check those out um i think that's basically it for us go rate and review yeah. our podcast and also uh, i just like to give a reminder i've been forgetting to do this and i really need to remember um we can't do this podcast we can't have awesome people like gabe on this podcast we can't uh, do the awesome content that we produce every week at lovethynerd.com all the great articles and insight that we publish there uh, without your help so if you think what we do is, is rad would you consider um, supporting us monthly just go to com slash partner and you can uh, yeah you can help us out
0: and so, even if you think what we do is lame just play like a hilarious practical joke on us and give us money you <laughs> yeah that'd be it. Right? yeah yeah that'll show us
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> i like it well thanks gabe this yeah was thanks awesome for having me on it was incredible
0: yeah i appreciate it man